are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm joined here with Dr. Mona G. Flores. She is the global head of medical AI at NVIDIA, where she oversees AI initiatives in medicine and healthcare to bridge the chasm between those two industries and technologies. Um, Dr. Flores joined NVIDIA in 2018 with a focus on the healthcare ecosystem development Before joining NVIDIA, she served as a chief medical officer of digital health company Human Resolution Technologies, following many years of working in medicine and cardiothoracic surgery. So, Mona, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Maribel. I'm excited to have you because I think right now there's so much opportunity in healthcare um, with AI, but I I thought maybe to get started, we could start by you sharing a little bit of your background and what attracted you to uh, medicine and the AI field. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Um, You know, I I have to say my, my story is not very unique in what attracted me to medicine in the first place. Uh, you know, I think we all grow up wanting to help other people and, and sure enough, you know, I, I grew up surrounded, I, I grew up in a war and I was surrounded by people who were dying left and right. And to me, the, the folks that made the difference were the surgeons and they were the physicians who were able to, um, to save people's lives. And, and they were, they were the ones who took the bullets out and they were the ones who stopped the bleeding. So I grew up wanting to be one of them, not really knowing much about what surgery entails. Is that like, oh my God, how cool is that you can save someone? And I think if you, if you look at my career, like my, the whole trajectory of my career, you know, the theme is really going back to how do we help people? How do we, how do we save lives? Uh, whether it is one on one, like I was doing when I was, uh, practicing a cardiac surgery or, on a bigger scale as uh, I am working today at NVIDIA to create uh, the tools to help people develop applications and go out and help many more people than I could have done on my own. I absolutely think that there's such a power in wanting to find scalable ways to help people. And I think that that's one of the things that we really are looking at um, with AI. And I know that NVIDIA is doing a lot in this space. So what's up with NVIDIA and healthcare? Yeah, we you are absolutely right. We are doing a lot. And if you actually go last week to our GTC, our technology conference, you could see that, you know, our contribution to healthcare really spans the whole field. Um, we, you know, our mission at NVIDIA is to deliver computing, to accelerate medical research and to allow folks, as I said earlier, to build these innovative medical applications, devices, products to be able to, uh, 
to help patients. So um, our mission is, is really to use all of the advancements in compute and software and harness AI to make healthcare more accessible, to improve patient outcomes, to reduce costs. So we combine the world's most advanced computing hardware with application-specific software platforms to accelerate, as I said, you know, end-to-end from genomic sequencing to drug discovery to medical imaging to healthcare analytics. So we are everywhere and we are, you know, across the whole stack from creating medical grade platforms that can sit in the operating room to run AI applications on all the way to the software that runs on that or, you know, and, and the libraries and, um, drivers and everything like you can think about it as the operating system for all of these AI applications all the way to the AI applications. Um, it's, it's a really exciting time to be here at NVIDIA. We are in the midst of it, and I, I think we are helping change the world. I think it's a fascinating time to be in this field, and one of the things that I know some organizations have been speaking about is federated learning, and I know that's something that you're actually talking to organizations about as well, and as thought that maybe we could start with a description of federated learning for the audience. This is an awesome question. And Maribel, I get asked this question a lot. And I keep thinking of ways to actually describe federated learning in an easy way to understand. And um, actually, um, one one of um, our lead PR person is not with us here today, but I, I think she's sick of me talking about it in terms of cooking metaphors. So I was thinking about it earlier and I'm like, how can I describe federated learning in something that's not cooking? So, and, and I'm going to try this on you. You tell me if, if it makes sense or not. First, I just want to say federated learning is, is really, it's not magic. Federated learning is just a new way of training AI algorithms that, that provides us two things. One, it allows us to train these algorithms uh, while we are preserving privacy, uh, privacy of the data, privacy of the patients. And it allows us to train them at scale so that we can get a lot more data. Because if you think about the Achilles heel of, of AI today is data. You need a lot of data and you need, uh, uh, you, you need to be able to get through to the data despite HIPAA and GDPR and all of the obstacles and regulations, you know, that are there to protect us and to protect us as patients, but still remain as hurdles for AI. Federated learning tries to solve both of these things. So the metaphor that I was going to use is think about it. If we have, if you have 10 different uh, journalists that are trying to tell a story and these journalists, everyone has just one piece of the story. So I'm going to think about federated and, and, you know, I, I am likening the journalists here to hospitals that have data. So with federated learning, you can have these journalists be hidden. You don't know who they are and you don't see them. And uh, you don't see the specific um, story that they're telling, but they, they are able to import, you know, some knowledge about that story to a central entity. Uh, and, and let's say, you know, Maribel, you're the central entity. So you talk to every one of these they don't talk to each other. You just talk to every one of them and they give you a snippet of the story from their perspective, from what they know. But you still, you don't know who they are, right? And you, you aggregate, whichever we call aggregation federated learning. You bring all of these stories together and you stitch now one piece, one journalistic piece. 
Now, what you look at this piece and you're like, well, I better make sure that actually this is correct. So you send it back to each one of these journalists and they look at it and they add some more of their knowledge into it. Then they all send it back to you and you aggregate it again. And you keep doing that until in the end you have this beautiful journalistic piece that incorporates all of their views without you actually knowing who they are, without really knowing the details. And now this is a story that you could tell much better than each one of them because you have the whole story because you learned from all of these different entities. And at the same time, you you know, if you take the story now to another journalist or another audience that has never seen, you know, any bit of the story, they're able to understand it because it's bringing different perspectives. It's, it's talking to everybody because it learns from so many different perspectives. This is really what we do in federated learning. We don't know. We don't see the data. We don't have access to the data. We don't have to bring all of this journalists to in one place. We don't have to bring all the data in one place. But what we do is we send. A, an AI model to all of these different places, it gets trained locally. The things that get back to the central server are just the weights of the model, just, just these mathematical nuggets that allow you to learn from the data. If they get aggregated, the model gets sent back, you iterate and retrain it, and in the end you have this beautiful model that is more robust than any of the individual models. And that is also more generalizable in that now you can take it to uh, another hospital, another data set that has never been part of this training exercise. And that hospital or that data set, uh, you know, the model does well on that data set. Did I lose you? Did, should I, should no, I scratch that no, you, you didn't, you didn't, you, you didn't lose me. Although I do love cooking metaphors. I, I will say sometime uh, later, we're going to have to talk about that one. It brings up a lot of questions though. When you think about the, the concept of federated learning, I know that there's questions about you. You were just talking about, well, the data is still private because it doesn't leave. And one of the nice things is it seems like it might be more efficient because you don't have to pull all the data to some centralized database and pool it, particularly since it's different companies' data. But maybe you could give us a real-world example of how this is happening in the industry to kind of help people see what's possible today. Yeah. You know what? Perhaps I'll give you an example of something we've done at NVIDIA. So, you know, we've been in federated learning, like working on it, creating the the engineering team has been working on creating this uh, software since 2018, maybe a little bit before that even. And then, you know, we we went and tried it out and and refined it. And in 2019, around, you know, the February, March timeframe when COVID hit, we, like everyone else, were scrambling, scratching our heads. How do we help? At that time, we were working very closely with uh, Mass General Brigham, who had created this model uh, for COVID patients. Uh, and this model, you know, was looking at oxygen requirement in these patients. So thinking, um, how can we all help? They and, and this model worked nicely at Mass General Brigham, but, you know, that was trained only on a certain population. It was, it was folks in the Boston area. And we wanted to actually take this model and make it a better model so that we can use it everywhere around the world. We can use it in South Africa. We can use it in in Taiwan. And so we collaborated uh, with Mass General Brigham and 19 other hospitals across the world. This is four continents, eight countries, to train, take this AI model and retrain it it using federated learning at each one of these hospitals gather the learnings, aggregate it, and then in the end, and, and what, what the model uh, 
allowed us to do, you know, what, what it was meant to, to do is to measure oxygen requirements in patients that were presenting to the emergency room. Let's say, God forbid, you come to the ER today and you're coughing and you have a fever. I don't even know if you have COVID yet. I haven't tested you, but I have a suspicion. Then I can run this model and I can tell, is Maribel going to need oxygen? And how fast is she going to need oxygen? In 24 hours, is she just going to need oxygen through uh you know, so innate, something, a nasal can, like a tube that I can put in her nose, or do I need to intubate her? Do I need to reserve a hospital, a, an ICU bed for her? So, uh, and, and indeed by training on so much data, we had 16,000, uh, CT, uh, sorry, chest x-rays and EMR data from around the world. We created a model that, uh, was very robust, that was very accurate. And that also generalized very well, meaning after we trained the model, we took it and we tested it in different populations that have never seen this model, and it performed really well. Uh, so this was one thing that we did, again, in combination with all of these different researchers uh, across the world. But there's many, many other uh, uses where you can imagine uh, federated learning for it. You can use it in order to analyze data at different places, not just train models. You can use it to validate models. You know, I have created a model at my institution. Can I take it to a different place and see if it works? Um, you can also think about it for different, different, uh, fields, not, not just imaging and, and EHR like we did, but you could imagine using it for genomics data. You can imagine using it for bringing multimodal data together. Uh, today, uh, you know, there's pharma companies that are looking into doing just that. There are pharma companies actually that piloted, uh, our NVIDIA federated learning SDK called Flare and, and tried, um, to see if it would actually help them in bringing all of the learnings from the different sites, even though it's one pharma company, but they had sites across the world. So can they actually, you know, learn on this data without, as you said, moving it and the expense of moving it and, and all of the uh, hurdles? And sure enough, it actually performed beautifully and they're planning to incorporate it into their imaging system. So there's, there's many flavors to how you could use federated learning and not just in healthcare, you know, in, in reality, you know, you can imagine using it in finance. You can imagine using it for for uh, training robots, for, you know, any application where you need a lot of data, you need diverse data, and you need the data to stay private, you can use federated learning. I think one of the reasons why we're seeing it in healthcare uh, first is basically a lot of the, the common good goal, right? You're all in exactly. there trying to figure out uh, drug discoveries, new ways to improve patient outcomes. Uh, we also see it in the concept of security, trying to have multiple companies pool their data so that we can have better security uh, software to prevent threats. So I see a lot of opportunity in federated learning, but what are some of the challenges that you're seeing with it today and how do you see foresee those challenges being resolved? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the challenges are still data challenges in my opinion. Uh, even though we solve uh, the, the two um, the paucity of the data, the fact that like some institution might not have enough data to train a model, so they need to combine with other institutions. We solve perhaps the regulatory hurdles, just like the privacy, but also prepping the data and making sure that the data is actually my data and your data can 
can be used in the same model? Are they in the same format? Are they, uh, does it make sense to combine them to study this one question? I think that's something that, you know, is still working on. And there's companies out there that are building platforms, uh, on top of, of, uh, on top of Lair, on top of NVIDIA's federated learning in order to, to make it easier to fix that piece of the data in order to, uh, perhaps run some statistical analysis on the data to know that it is within a certain distribution uh, and it is, uh, and it is fit to go into such a model. Uh, so th- there's lots of work to be done there, but there is again, the, the good news is that we have the most um, difficult piece is already uh, mostly solved and we keep adding new features and new capabilities and then um, others are building on top of that to make it easier for people to even agree to do, you know, such, such uh, collaborations together. And, and then how do you, how do you, decide who gets the final model you know in covid we were lucky because you know this was for the good of everybody so so everyone was willing to cooperate and everyone was willing to share models and what have you but you know in the real world data is money and how do you you know if i'm gonna help you create a model with my data are you gonna pay me for that you know i think there's a lot of questions there that we still have to answer Yes, there's a lot of discussion about creating data ecosystems. And honestly, if we can get over the concepts of confidentiality, then the biggest hurdle seems to be what's the business model for sharing data and how do we create something that makes sense and at what level do we share and permission data? So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think we'll be spending the next many years uh, rolling through the different opportunities and models. And I know that, you know, NVIDIA and you as well are doing a lot of different research today. And I was wondering what research you're working on that excites you in the AI field or what should we be looking forward to next? Good question. Uh, I I think, obviously, I've been talking about federated learning (laughs) for for the past 20 minutes. Uh, that is top of mind for me. Uh, how do we, how do we make it better? How do we make it easier for people? How do we, you know, I described when I described federated learning earlier, I described one way of doing federated learning. In fact, there's many different ways of doing it. Uh, so how do we enable the ecosystem to choose how they want to do federated learning and, and be able to do it, uh, and, and benefit from it and, and have it really create applications that are put in the hospital today and, and clinicians can use? How do you regulate? a model that's coming through federated learning. Is the FDA get, going to, you know, require different ways to validate these models? All of these are questions, you know, questions uh, and research questions that are still need an answer, and we are working on that. Um, the other thing that, that I feel, and it also, like, feeds a little bit into the data angle, is the creation of data and making data available uh, for people to train AI. Federated learning is one way. Another way is perhaps synthetic data creation. And recently, again, at GTC, we just announced uh, a model. It's called SYN, S-Y-N, Gatortron. SYN is for synthetic. Gatortron is for a transformer model, the Tron, and the Gator is for the University of Florida. This is a, a culmination of, of work that has, you know, we started this two years ago almost, uh, where we trained first the largest uh, transformer model on clinical data called Gatortron. 
And, and that was, that was a bird style model. And since then we continued working with them. And again, we just announced Syngatathon. What is Syngatathon? It's a generative model. It's a, uh, it's, it's a GPT-3 model of, again, the biggest of its size trained on the identified clinical data. And it allows you to create new clinical data. So that let's imagine you're doing, um, you're doing a study and you have a minority population that you don't have that much data for, and you are looking at discharge summaries. This is part of your study. So now you're able to create discharge summaries for that specific population so that you can augment your data and you can have less bias in your model as you train it. The, the users are, are, you know, not just, there's multitudes of users for this. I just uh, said generate discharge summary, but depending on how you, ask the question of the model, you can generate different kinds of data and, and you can imagine the possibilities and the utility of such a model. Uh, this is, you know, the Gatorton models are available today on NGC for anyone to take them and use them freely, uh, thanks to the University of Florida. Uh, Syngatathon is not released uh, to the public yet. You'd have to have a special arrangement uh, with the University of Florida to use it. But uh, we also, actually, this is really interesting, we just published another model on NGC called Gatorton S, again, S for synthetic. And that was a very similar model to the original Gatorton model we created, except now it was trained on synthetic data. So we took Syngatathon, created synthetic data, went back and created a, gener- a language model from it, it like the, the whole continuous loop. Uh, so this is this is a very exciting area of research, and, and there's tons to be done there. You know, it's, it's not all answered, but we're working hard at it. Well, I am excited to see what comes next because I think we're we're at a breakthrough point right now. I think if we were to talk two years from now, we'd be able to say many great and amazing things. Mona, thank you so much for your time today and your insight. And I'm sure a whole bunch of people are going to be looking into federated learning after they hear this podcast. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Maribel. This was a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at aiwithml.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best.